Well, it's uh, great to be with you this Sunday and uh, talking about, um, you know, what, what God wants us to do and what God is doing in our lives. Um, just want to celebrate a little bit. Last week, um, some of you were here. This isn't even half of those who are here. We had over 300 people just from Montrose and then hundreds from the other campuses as well in their own communities going out and, and serving people. In, in the community, and so that was just a great Sunday. I got a couple highlights. This is a ramp that was built. It's a great before and after. Here's another ramp that was built before and after. Um, the fire hall, they painted the bays in there, and that was, a, a group did that. I don't have a picture of people chopping wood, but we had like eight wood splitters going, like at multiple different places all over the county. And uh, there's a, a, a cemetery in Susquehanna. We had over 20 people over there. It w- had not been mowed this year, and I don't know how many acres it was, but it was a pretty big, big one. And then, like, um, the, the local park painting and, and doing some weed whacking. Some of you were cleaning windows downtown, doing a car wash, lots, lots, and lots of stuff. Here's why we did that. Because Jesus said in Mark 10:45, he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. If there was ever a human being on earth that deserved to be served and waited on hand and foot, it would have been the King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, the creator of the universe who was then going to die for us, I mean, people should have just, you know, just waited on his every need and he should have just sat back and lived in luxury or whatever, but, but it's the exact opposite. Jesus says, that's not what I came for. If, if he wanted to be in luxury, he would have stayed in heaven. There's nothing on earth that would have been like that. He says, I've come to serve. And if we want to be a follower of Jesus, that's, that's what a Christian is. A Christian means little, little Christ, little Jesus. And so lots of people call themselves Christian. But if you really want to follow Jesus... It means you're going to follow him in serving other people. And that's what we did last week. But it, it, he goes beyond that. He says, not only have I come to serve, but there's something else I've come to do. And to what? Give his life as a ransom for many. And that's that picture of like someone's kidnapped, right? And you got to pay a ransom fund. And, and that's not exactly the, I guess we're kidnapped by sin is what it is. And and, and there's a payment that must be made. None of, us, none of us would love a God that didn't care about sin, right? Someone gets murdered, someone gets abused, and God's like, what are you gonna do? No, no one would love a God like that. That's not a God that would be worthy of worship. No, God takes sin seriously, and he says, every sin must be paid for. That's called fair. It's called justice. But the problem is we've all sinned. And so Jesus came to take our damnation upon himself, our hell on himself so that we wouldn't have to die. He says, this is my mission, to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so our mission is to do the same, to serve, but then to go beyond serving and to talk to people about how Jesus came to be your forgiver, how he came to be your leader. He came to give his life as a ransom for you. And are you willing to let him pay? Or do you want to pay in this life and in the rest of eternity? And, and so those are, the, those are two of the things we need to do as followers of Jesus. Serve and then talk about um, Jesus. And so because of that, because of Jesus, 
We are not just a religious gathering. We're part of a movement. And, and you know, every, every church, I would think, starts as a movement, like wanting to do something and, 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 and take ground for God. And, but then somewhere along the way, lots of churches become monuments. Where do you see the most monuments? Cemetery. And a lot of churches have become cemeteries, right? Because we moved from a movement to a monument. And, and this church is 215 years old. Praise God. Nobody here can say we've always done it that way because you have no idea. We, not, none of us remember what they were doing 214 years ago, you know? Um, but, but every generation has to decide, am I going to join the movement or I'm, am I just going to have a monument? And, and Jesus invites us to join a movement that he is doing. And, and I'm going to just talk about what, what that means out of Romans 10. So if you have your Bible and you happen to be sitting under a light, like right there, right there, right there, then you can read or you can follow on the screen or if you have a phone and your Bible's on your phone, you can read it there too. Um, but here, here's what it says. Romans 10, the first 10 chapters, Paul is kind of laying the groundwork for this for, for this pinnacle. He's saying, you know, we're all sinners, and, 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 but here's, here's the point. Here's what, what it means to be a Christian. Here, here's what Jesus, uh, our side of things, Jesus died on the cross. What do we have to do to receive that? He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? From the biggest enemy you have. You, the biggest monster in your life that gets you into the most trouble. It's not your little sister. It's not, it's not that kid, you know, or that friend at work. No, your biggest monster is you and our own sin and our own selfishness. And, and that's what we're saved from. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so... Joel was talking about this salvation and, and the whole, you know, different reconciliation and your enemies and friends. And this is a, a picture of life and death. You know, you're, you're saved from your sin to live new with Jesus Christ. And as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. You will not regret following Jesus Christ and uh, be ashamed of doing that. Um, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now he's transitioning here. He's again saying over and over again, you'll be saved and you'll be forgiven and all of this. But now he's talking about Gentiles. And for those of you who don't know who a Gentile is, probably all, just about all of us here are Gentiles. Um, in, in the ancient world and for a Jew, there's two kinds of people. It's not black, white, Asian, Hispanic, you know, none of those categories. There's you're a Jew or you're every, anything else. You're a Gentile. And so Paul, who's writing this, is a Jew. And, and he's saying, you know what? There's no difference between me and, and all Paul's life. Before he, he followed Jesus Christ, he was always taught there's a big difference. There's two kinds of people in the world, Jews and Gentiles. And now he's saying there's no difference. We all need Jesus, and Jesus died for all of us. And this is where he's starting to pivot here from saying, you know what? Not only is Jesus a Savior for you, but he's a Savior for them. 
over there, those people. And um, goes on to, to talk about this. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? And consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so he's saying, you know what? Not all Jews accepted Jesus, so not all Jews are going to heaven. He's saying, but I asked, did they not hear? Did the Jews not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And this is where he's saying, you know what? It's not just for Jews now. It's for everyone. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in and how can they believe in the one they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? And he continues to talk in the verses following this just about this, this beautiful thing that God did through Jesus Christ is he opened it up. You don't have to travel to Palestine. You don't have to travel to Israel to become a, a follower of God anymore. He says, we're, going, we're, we're supposed to go to them. And you don't have to become a Jew to, to have a relationship with God anymore. Anybody, even Gentiles can. And, 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 and this is, this is the, at some point, I'm really glad that Paul and others went to the dark pagan continent of Europe and told them about Jesus. And then at some point, I'm glad that some of those Euro Europeans took that faith about Jesus with them to North America so, so that, that I could hear, so that you could hear about Jesus. And he's saying, you know what, this, this is something we need to do everywhere else as well. Because of Jesus, we're called to make a difference. And we're called to make a difference here in our community. But we're also called to make a difference there as well in other places around the world. And this is where, you know, last Sunday we went out and we're helping people and serving them. And, and that needs to be, that, that's part of it. You know, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he served people. If you were sick, he healed you. If you were hungry, he fed you. If, if you were blind, he made you able to see. He, he served people, but then he also served people. In addition to serving their physical needs, he served their even greater spiritual needs. And, and pointed people to himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to do the same thing. Last Sunday, we went out and served people, but we also need to go out and say, hey, you need Jesus. You don't just need a clean lawn, right? You don't, you don't just need you know, a, a, a ramp on your house. You, you, don't, you don't just need w whatever it is, a, a dumpster that we threw. There was a couple dumpster groups last week. I don't know if you were in a dumpster group, but, you know, and you're just helping people, just throw it all away, you know, just get rid. There was one group that should have been a dumpster group, but I won't talk about that, but an individual who liked to save things, and they just rearranged her savings of things. So anyway, but we're called to make a difference here, but, but also there. And so I just want to challenge you. This, this message is really not a, not a I want you to lift your eyes up to the world. So there's someone I really care a lot about. I probably care more about this person than anyone else in, in the whole world. And that would be me. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Becky, but I'm being honest. I care about me. I think about me all the time. 
I take care of me, right? I, I do stuff for me. I plan for me, right? I, um, but on a good day, God has challenged me to stretch that love for me. Stretch it really, and this is a really good day. So that I will love my wife and kids. Oh, so exhausting. You know, but, but then God isn't done there. Because that's, you know, normal people do that. And he says, you know, I, I don't want you just to love you and yours, your family, your wife, whatever. That's still a good day. He says, I want you to stretch that love even more and love people that like me. My friends, maybe my neighbors who are nice to me, which is actually all of them right now. <laughs> There's one of them that ignores me, but that actually is nice in my book. Um, I ignore him most of the time. But anyway, but we just stretch that love, you know, to, to the people around me and my community and my country and my, my friends and but you know, here, here's what this message is about. God wants to stretch that love even further so that we would actually love people who are nothing like you and who don't look like you and maybe they don't even speak your language and they're not from around here. And, and, and he wants us to, to have the love that he has which is a, a global love, and join a movement that he has started. Jesus didn't start the church to reach just Northeast Pennsylvania, to reach just Susquehanna County and Wayne County and Broome County, and there we go, let everybody, he, he loves the world. And I just wanna challenge you this morning to love this community, to love your family, to talk to, in fact, on your way out, there's gonna be a little card, pray, invest, invite, and it's got a spot for three names to put on it. Think of three people who are not following Jesus Christ. Think of three people who've never asked Jesus to forgive them and then made him their master and Lord and leader. Think of three people, write down those three names and pray for those people every day and then figure out ways that you can have conversations with them to, to challenge them to turn to Jesus Christ. And so th this is about here, but we need to go beyond here. And we need to, are you willing to even just drop by and visit and see what God is doing and be a part of what God is doing over there? And where is there? I don't know. It could be Brooklyn. Not Pennsylvania, but New York, the other Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn, Pennsylvania, that's pretty much here. And some of you are watching online, and maybe over there is, is Montrose, you know, because you're, you're living in, I don't know where, but are you willing to visit there? We, we support uh, Food for the Hungry in Guatemala, and uh, they go to these villages, and I think it's um, something like $1,800, $1,900 to go on a trip there. And I, I'm telling you, ask someone who's been, who's, who's been to Guatemala? Raise your hand. Okay, in the back. John and Sarah. Okay, Ryan. Go to anyone who's been to Guatemala. Go to John, because he was just there, and Sarah. And ask him, was it worth it? The kids mobbed him. <laughs> like, who knew? Like, he was a kid magnet. You know? He looks kind of scary to me, but. He's got, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, like, ask, ask Chad and Naya Henry. Naya would say it was the most transformative, um, life-changing 
week in her entire life. Um, teenage girl who went with her dad, Chad. And you know what? That's the thing. When we go somewhere to, to talk to people, they do VBS or tell them about Jesus, you know, and when we go to tell people, other people about Jesus, so many times God blesses us in a great way. And um, that fear of fo- foyo, folo, fear of missing out, FOMO, FOMO. You want a case of, I want to give you a case of FOMO, fear of missing out. Think about going over there, wherever it might be. Maybe you know Jake Boner. Go. Go to Ethiopia with him. You know, visit. Um, are, you, are you willing to go? Here's, here's something about going. Um, Becky gave me permission to share this with you. A lot of times we think, well, you know, that's for people who like doing that. And that's for people who are retired and who don't have to take a week off of work like John did, and, you know, I think you just don't get paid when you don't work, right? I mean, you know, I don't know if you get vacation or not, but, but here's, here's um, so my wife went to Guatemala. She gave me permission to share this. She is deathly afraid of flying, which means when she is about to get on a plane, she is absolutely convinced that she's going to die. And so I just wanted to give you some of our texts to have an insight of what it was like in the hours leading up to her leaving to go to Guatemala. I love you. Please keep praying. I'm praying for you. I love you too. I feel so sick. Is it your heart that feels sick? She had a racing heartbeat, and so she had an ablation done, and so this is a new fear that not only that the plane will crash, but she'll psych herself out so bad before that she'll have a heart attack, which is probably more likely. Um, Please come and get me. Please, please, please. She's in, in Newark Airport at this point. And um, so I thought, I'm, I'm going to try quoting, I'm going to try typing scripture to her. Maybe God's word will be a comfort to her. Um, and so Philippians 4.8, Philippians 4.12 and 13, and then Psalms, of bro- what? is that it? Oh, no, we got more there. Psalms, a broken and contrite heart, he will not despise, Joshua 1.9, Isaiah 41, fear not, I'm with you, don't be dismayed, for I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will help. None of this is helping. <laughs> it's not changing anything. Like there's, there's actually a couple pages of this that I skipped. Um, John said, you know, Come unto me, I, Matthew 12 is so awesome. Come unto me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm, I'm, I'm gentle and humble of heart. Please come, you know. And, and so the problem, when, on top of her fear of flight, it's been prolonged because, of course, no flight leaves on time anymore. And so there's several hours delay, and I don't even know how long it's going to be delayed. And, and so, so I, I, I'm telling you, God loves you more then I love you. The delay of your flight is on purpose. Maybe you're not going to fly out and it'll be canceled and the whole trip will be canceled. Or maybe it's, that's what she was hoping for. Maybe it's delayed because God is just giving you more time to trust him. Nothing's an accident. Nothing's unforeseen. God's in control of every moment and he can be trusted. Please, please come get me. Which of these verses is most helpful? None of them. Which is the least applicable? All of them are least applicable. Do you want, and then I'm like, maybe I can distract her. She likes to do Wordle. Do you want to do Wordle? I want you to come get me. I'm so afraid. I'm going to die. 
And I, I said, you're not going to die. I, I would stake, and if you did die, I would stake my life and my ministry and all my faith on you being united with the Lord in unspeakable joy where you will never be afraid again of the future and never again cry over the past. And then, and then here's the, she says, please don't forget me. Don't let the kids forget me. She really thinks she's going to die. Now, here's the thing. I would never have, like, been like this if I didn't know that for weeks and months in advance of this, she said, I really, I, I think God wants me to go. And, and I know this is something good that God wants me to do. I don't force my wife to do, like, things she hates, but when she decides to do something, I wanted to help her follow through. Even though she was absolutely convinced, she's got me like, we're not gonna forget you. You know? And then I try my logical self. <laughs> There's a 90% chance that you're gonna outlive me. It's 11 out of 12, you know, husbands die before their wives. Statistics, that didn't help. So I think that's the last slide. Please keep praying. And she got on the plane, and, and she went, and, and she had some fears even while she was there on the trip, which is usually not the case. But, and she came back, and you know what? This, I, I, the reason I'm sharing this, the reason she's allowing me to share this with you, because she's all nervous about it and not in here. She's over in the, the lobby. Because we just really want you to understand that we need to love people even when it's really hard. And that honestly, and this is one of the things that does not help and that I did not share with her, but she's heard me say it before. God could care less if your life is safe. And you know what? As a guy, I don't, I don't want a safe life. I want a life of purpose and meaning and, and to do something. And that's what being a part of a movement is. We're not part of a monument. We're part of a movement, and that means we gotta go, and it means doing hard things. There's a man in our congregation, Peter Fox, and the other day he invited me over. Like I, I invited myself over to his house. And then, <laughs> and then after that, he said, hey, you should come back tonight. I'm having this guy over for dinner. And um, Witherall was his last name. I forget his first name. I'm like, wait a minute. I just read a book about him. He and his wife went to Lebanon to tell people about Jesus, and she was a nurse, and a man walked into the hospital where she was working, and he shot her in the face because she was a Christian and telling people about Jesus. And he's going to be at your house tonight? Yeah. We're friends. He's a great guy. He's on a mission. He's part of a movement. And that was decades ago, and he didn't quit. He quit for a little while. He took a break. He healed, and then started putting the pieces of his life back together, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go out there again and do whatever it takes. Are you willing to visit there? Are you willing to move there? You're willing to say, you know, I'm going to go to Turkey. You can't go to Turkey as a missionary. They won't let you in. But you can go as an engineer. You can go as a teacher. 
You can go as a nurse. And then you can tell people about Jesus. And if you're not doing that here, if you're not talking to people about Jesus here, don't just do that first. But you know, I, I can't help but think that there's someone, whether you're online or whether you're here in the room right now, there's several people that God wants you to talk to people about Jesus and he doesn't want you to do it here. He wants you to move and go somewhere else and do that. We got people from Scandinavia here. God brought all the way to the dark continent of America (laughs) to tell people about Jesus here. Ralph and Mary Ann. And maybe God wants you to go there. And you know, I think what all of us are thinking right now, yeah, those teenagers, when they grow up, they need to go. You know what? Second career. Maybe you're in your 40s or 50s. And maybe that's what God wants you to do. Um, Are you willing to to move there? Uh, Karenet Crisis Pregnancy Center. I'm I'm just going to talk about a couple of the ministries we support internationally. This is... Maybe you, God wants you to go there, and there is like kind of here in Pennsylvania. But again, these might not be people. If you volunteer for CareNet, you might, you might come across people that you wouldn't normally come across. And that, and that God wants you to go to there. And, um, oh, there we go. We got a little where that is. And then Hope for Cora in Ethiopia. Are you willing to bless those you love to go there? What if you have a, your best friend comes up to you and says, you know what, I really think God wants me to go to Sudan. And I probably won't see him maybe once a year. What if, your, what if your daughter says, I really feel like I need to go to Cambodia and tell people there about Jesus Christ? Are you gonna be like, no way? Are you kidding me? Are you taking the grandkids? How selfish of you. How could you do that to them? Or would you have the heart of Jesus who says, and bless them and say, that would be wonderful. Even though I'll not get to see you as much, that would be awesome to to have you have the heart of Jesus and to go over there. couple other ministries we support, the Simons in India. They are in a region of India that the, there is not a lot of persecution there, but at the Bible College, they have over 75 uh, students in their Bible College. Um, many of them will go on to be pastors. Some of them will start churches in uh, areas and states in India that there is incredible persecution. Um, There is a region, a state there, Manipur, where there are still tens of thousands of Christian refugees whose homes and churches have been burned, and they're not sure it's safe to go home, and they may never go home. They may just have to start over somewhere else in India um, because they follow Jesus Christ. And uh, are you willing to, to go there? Christy Walker is in Germany. You know, it's not just uh, the Eastern world. It's not just Africa or whatever where people need to hear about Jesus Christ. She's a part of an international church there. There's a ministry that's a part of that church. It's called Alabaster Jars. And it's some women who go out at night, especially Friday night and Saturday night. And uh, they minister to prostitutes 
And they talked to some women that are enslaved and being trafficked and have, were kidnapped and trying to build a bridge and have some trust that, that maybe they could help them get away and get out. And um, incredible ministry in Germany, all sorts of different things they do with internet. And I tell you what, that, that, that church in Germany, like the average person, I, Becky and I were there, the average person in that church knows like four languages. You know, they know like German and English and then two other bonus ones, you know depending on where they're from. And they have kids in the youth group that their parents are in the embassies uh, of Berlin. And just a totally different, these are like, these, these are, these are um, accomplished individuals who also need Jesus Christ. Everybody needs Jesus. Um, be a part of the movement. I'm gonna just wrap up with this. This, this is um, the major religions of the world. I've used this before, but this is just so stunning to me. These are the six largest, five largest religions in the world. And there's things like Shinto, but Shinto, it's not really a, most Shintos in Japan aren't really. So anyway, so Sikhs, they're mostly in India. Um, and the second largest population of Sikhs is in Canada, almost 800,000. But, but over 90% of Sikhs are in Asia. It's not really a world religion, it's an Asian religion. Buddhists, 98% of Buddhists are in Asia. Hindus, over 90% are in Asia, almost all in India. Um, Muslims, now you're getting to, to a little bit different. You know, Africa and Asia, it's an African and Asian religion. Christian. Christian Christianity is, I would say, the only truly global world religion. And, and as you look at this, you, you, you see that there are more Christians in Africa than there are in Europe. There are, there are more Christians in Asia than there are in North America. Christianity is not this, you know, in fact, here's the, the next thing. This is a deceptive chart. A lot of this is really kind of not, not real. So like 1,080, this is a believing Christian. So there's about 2.4 billion people who would call themselves Christians in the world today. About one-third of that, 885 million, they estimate are what they would call believing Christians, which is someone who says they read, believe, and obey the Bible. Okay, and so you go back in time, 1,000 AD, how many people were reading the Bible not very many. There's a lot more Christians than that, but books were like incredibly expensive. Most people were illiterate. So this is not like very accurate with what that really means. I mean, it is. But, but, but when you get into the 1950, and, and th we have some real data about this, um, Christianity since 1950 has exploded in the world, since 1900 even, exploded in the world. Just so many, and they're more and more, they're the kind of Christians that are reading the Bible in their language because it's been translated, and because that's the, and, and you might think like, boy, Christianity doesn't seem to be exploding. This doesn't make any sense because it's not exploding in America. Okay, Christianity at best is on a plateau in America. Christendom is this cultural Christianity. That's fallen off a cliff. That's not around uh, increasingly anymore. Um, but true followers of Jesus, it's a global thing. And, and here, here's the, the other side to this, is poverty. There are so many things that have been changed by people 
following Jesus Christ. A few here, a few there. Slavery. The reason slavery is unacceptable among most people in the world today is because Christianity said it was unacceptable for centuries. And Christians worked to end slavery. There were slaves in every kind of culture and country in the world. Native Americans had slaves. Africans had slaves. You know, it, it wasn't this thing invented by, everybody had slaves. Why did it stop? Because Christians said, this is wrong. Everyone's made in the image of God. And then the same with poverty. The impact, actually, this has actually changed since 2018. It's actually gone up. The poverty and hunger and all of that have increased since COVID. A lot of that has to do with the governmental policies over COVID and a lot has to do with the war in Ukraine. Um, I forget what it is, 20,000 tons, 50,000 tons, it's some huge amount of grain has been destroyed by Russia bombing the ports uh, in Ukraine. And that grain is not going to Europe, it's going to Africa and the Middle East. And so Jake will tell you in Ethiopia, the price of food in that country since the war started has skyrocketed. And so it's, it's just hurting. And so this, this trend of poverty has gone in the other direction. I, I, I just want to, I just invite you to be a part of the greatest movement doing the greatest amount of good in the world. Because what the world needs, Ethiopia, what do they need? It is exciting, Jake was telling me about how they, they brought water to the school so that 7,000 kids could have fresh water. And then hundreds of, of uh, staff at the school as well. This is a public school. And, and you know, it cost a, a boatload of money, but they were able to get it and do it, and it's so exciting. But you know what? The problem in Ethiopia isn't a lack of water. That's like this problem. You know what the problem in Ethiopia is? It's a lack of Jesus. It's people that are, un, to be unselfish and to follow Jesus and to make him their Lord and Savior and to be honest and to be, work hard and to, 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 to do what's right and to look out for their neighbor and, and, and all of this stuff. And that's what America needs. That's what the world needs. Are you a global Christian? You know, th there's this thing, I need to wrap up with this. Th there's a new boogeyman by the mainstream media and uh, it's called um, Christian Nationalists. And uh, I guess there are a bunch of white supremacists who want to bring about Sharia law, the Christian version of Sharia law in the United States. And, and I, I don't even know if I've met a Christian nationalist, honestly, but it's the boogeyman, it's the bad, it's, it's this thing that you should really be afraid of, you know, and they're gonna like take over the country. Here's the thing, what's the, what's, what's the answer to Christian nationalism? if that's bad. It's what Paul talks about in Romans 10, Christian internationalism. To not just love Americans and America, to love the world. That's what God calls us to do. As you leave, we have these booklets and they, they highlight the 10 different international ministries we support as a church. We give over $100,000 every year um, divided up between some of these ministries, between all of these ministries. And um, so we just, this is, be praying. Be praying about what God is doing in other places. Be praying about what God wants you to do. Maybe it's just financial. 
Maybe he wants you above and beyond what you give to the church to jump in and, and give to something like this or something else. Do your homework. Make sure they're, they're, they're you know, a good organization. Um, but maybe he wants you to go short term for a couple weeks. Maybe he wants you to go to Togo as a doctor or a nurse. You know, maybe he wants you to, or maybe he wants you to live there. Or maybe he wants you to bless your kid to go. Because God, God loves the world, and we should too. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for, um, for your love for us. And uh, I thank you that Jesus came to be the lamb. You know, we just uh, remembered your death, your blood that was shed for us. God, I just thank you that Jesus was our lamb, and I just ask that you would just help us not to keep that good news to ourselves, but to share it with our neighbors and to share it with those who like us and who we like, but also to share it with those that aren't like us and that maybe don't like us. Lord, help us to be global Christians who love the world like you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.